Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be talking all about unusual mana bases. There's a couple archetypes and and a couple specific commanders that really require you to run a very different type of mana base from most decks. Like most decks, you're really just trying to get your colors consistently so you can cast your spells. Maybe you might uh, bend a little bit towards whatever mana symbols you have the highest concentration of in your spells. But in the decks we're going to be talking about today, they all require lands with a a particular characteristic or ability. So I I don't want to delay it too long, but before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, with that, let's jump into it. And I think today we're going to be going in order of sort of the, the broadest categories of mana bases, um, the ones that fit into the most commanders, the most archetypes. And then we're going to narrow it down to the, the commanders that are really unique in their mana bases. So where, where are we going to start today? What, what's our first category of lands, the first type of unusual mana base? As time goes on, this might become less and less unusual if we ever go back to certain sets but this is snow basics that basically snow land decks things that revolve around the snow mechanic and this is uh i'm trying to think of the term that mara would use like it's it's a pretty parasitic mechanic if you use snow things you want to use other snow things but there's enough snow things at this point that like you get to pick and choose somewhat. <laughs> like, not really, but, but there's, I, I, you know? Yeah, I'd argue that. I don't know if it's, like, parasitic, because on the one hand, like, you don't have to run more snow cards, really. I, I think that because there's not really a downside to running snow currently, like, I, I haven't seen huge adoption among, like, Raydane, so for the mm-hmm. most part, it's pretty hard to hose snow. And really, if there's, like, a single card in your deck that wants that like encourages you to run snow then you might as well just run snow but you don't have to run additional snow rewards beyond that um so i don't know if it's like super parasitic um but it's the kind of thing that this is like definitely the broadest mechanic because there's at least a dozen different cards where if you just want access to this particular card you should probably be running snow Mm -hmm. and a lot of these are are solid cards oh yeah so for example like into the north is kind of like a strictly better rampant growth rampant growth yeah it's (laughs) it's pretty close to a far seek uh it's just one in a green for a sorcery searcher library for a snow land put on the battlefield tapped so not only does that just get your basics but thanks to the snow duels that they printed in kalnheim it can also get you a dual land um so it's just a little bit better than a lot of the existing options. And if you want access to that effect, well, you're probably going to be running at least enough snow lands to, so that you have good targets. And if you're going a little bit into it, you might as well just run a full snow mana base. Um, what are some other cards that really encourage you to, to run snow that sort of tip your deck in the... Or, or, or tip the balance in the favor of running snow over not running snow. Yeah, so I've I've actually run a lot of these cards over 
the last year or two now, but in black in particular, you, you get some really nasty and really good and like kind of budget friendly. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. it's budget friendly because you have to pay for all the Snowlands, which actually aren't that expensive now that Kaldheim came out, but um, they were, it was a chunk of change. But you get big, good, cheap mass removal in the form of Dead of Winter and Blood on the Snow. So they both work a little differently. Blo- uh, Dead of Winter is three mana sorcery. Creatures, non-snow creatures get minus X, minus X, where X is the number of snow lands you control. And Blood on the Snow is a six mana pick one spell. Destroy all creatures or destroy all planeswalkers. You can return a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard uh, equal to or less than the amount of snow mana that you spent to cast the spell. And it is a six mana sorcery. So uh, wiping the board and getting a six drop back is pretty strong. <laughs> it's a pretty good thing to do. But even if you're just getting back a three drop or something like that, that's a lot better rate than uh, a lot of wraths give you. Yeah, I just recently put together a Yarok deck who's and kind of the sole point of the deck is to set up these loops where you're you're doing something to annoy your opponents, but also kind of like buying back an ETB creature so that you can do it again. So it's like got a lot of like evacuation and archaeomancer type stuff. Um, but I'm running a snow mana base in that deck just so I have access to blood on the snow so I can like wrath the board, get back my eternal witness, get back my blood on the snow, uh, and just kind of soft lock my opponents. Um, so just that synergy is enough for me to want to run this card and run a snow mana base. So it's really powerful in that respect. And a lot of these cards, like I, I've, uh, like I said, the last year or so run these cards, even before Kaldheim came out, I was running Dead of Winter just because it is so powerful. Uh, in one of our recent episodes, we talked about the um, animating lands <laughs> strategy. Mm-hmm. And that with Dead of Winter has been just like impeccable, just like so powerful. Because all of your snow one ones with an Urborg out are still snow creatures, so they don't die. They just mm-hmm. contribute to the thing. So very good, very powerful. Kind of to go through these in in semi color order, well in groupings, I should say. Uh, green has blessing of frost, which is a pretty powerful draw spell if you're like building your deck with big donks in mind. And even if you're not, it's pretty easy to uh, put like two or three plus one plus one counters on some creatures pick up three cards and uh keep moving and it's only four mana so i guess to read it off entirely blessing of frost is three in a green sorcery or snow sorcery distribute a number of plus one plus one counters onto creatures you control equal to the amount of snow mana spent to cast the spell and then draw a card for each creature you control with power four or greater if you are playing snow it's really easy to get those a few extra cards off of this um Similarly, in blue, we got Graven Lore, which has been something that just has like blown my mind when I've cast it. Mm-hmm. It's a five mana instant, three in blue, blue, snow instant, and it has Scry X, where X is the amount of snow mana spent to cast this spell and then draw three cards. <laughs> it's like, because pretty often it's like Scry four or five and then draw three cards at instant speed, which is just an insane amount of value. So both of these cards, like super easy to use, super easy to run. If you have a snow mana base, they just go so far in making your deck like tick, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've really also been impressed with Graven Lore, just in the because I've been running it a lot in Brawl, and it does a really good job of digging you for the gas or digging you to the gas that you need in the late game. Um, so 
been really impressed with that card. And I think it's a reason if you're running like a blue deck that's maybe controlling and wants to be able to refill its hand easily, I think it's a really solid option for those types of decks. Uh, there's just one last type of snow effect that I really want to highlight. We're, we're going to be mentioning later that there are some decks that are really interested in man lands. And Frostwalk, Bastion, and Faceless Haven are two man lands that can activate at a pretty low rate. Faceless Haven definitely has a respectable body. And both of these require snow mana to activate. So if you're in a deck that's looking for man lands, or in the case of Faceless Haven, if you're in a deck that maybe is interested in another Mutavolt type effect, perhaps a, a tribal list that is looking to get more fat on the battlefield, these are both reasons to run snow mana bases. Mm-hmm. I, I have done this <laughs> myself, <laughs> just run snow simply for the Faceless Haven and Frostwalk Bastion, because it's like, kind of trivial at this point to just be like oh okay snow forest snow plains <laughs> you mm-hmm. know do you want to get into the next group of lands we're going to talk about sure uh so this next grouping is lands that sort of reduce your land count or, or perhaps consolidate your mana production um so we're talking about lotus field lotus veil scorched ruins uh, and bounce lands. And we'll come back to bounce li- for like other uses of bounce lands later. But in particular, these types of cards are really good in white decks that care about having less lands than your opponents. So if you really want to make use of your Knight of the White Orchid, your land tax, your Weathered Wayfarer, your Keeper of the Accord, I suppose, if you want to just guarantee that you have fewer lands than your opponents, um, Lotus Field is going to sacrifice two of your lands, as will Lotus Veil vale and Scorched Ruins. Bounce Lands are also going to drop your land count by one. So all of these are really useful in uh, just activating these powerful white cards that are only good some of the time. The last category of snow stuff is pretty broad. You can kind of put a little bit of snow into a lot of decks, but these cards in particular that are like reducing your land count are like extremely good in like more narrow situations and if you are like running white cards that bring stuff back from the graveyard so something fun about white is that all of its ramp is if you are behind (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it's like if an opponent has more lands than you and sometimes you go first and you know you're more likely to win if you go first statistically but um all your ramp doesn't work anymore so what can you do you can play a bounce land you can play your uh, lotus field or something like that karu and uh, all of a sudden your weathered wayfarer starts working your loyal warhound starts working and later on your savine's reclamation becomes a ramp spell so uh, these lands in particular are really good at like making white decks tick and like giving white the ability to compete with what is going on (laughs) in the other colors Mm -hmm. because having a land that taps for three is really good. uh, And it's also really good when it means that all your ramp cards are turned back on with that. I think we can move on to the next category of cards. Yeah. So this one uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you take this one away because this is artifact lands and artifact lists. Sure. Um, So there's just a lot of effects out there that, Uh, care about having a lot of artifacts on the board there's for example affinity decks uh, or like powerful affinity cards especially some that we've seen in the recent modern horizons 2 there's metalcraft effects for example things like jorkadine where 
you want to just get to that threshold of three artifacts as easily as possible because the the bonus for doing so is enormous. And then there's other things like, say, Inventor's Fair is something you can only activate once you have three artifacts on the board. And so maybe there's some crucial artifact in your deck that you really need to access uh, consistently. And just running a couple artifact lands in your in your deck can make it so that you're a little more able to, to activate your Inventor's Fair or similar effects. So there's a, just a lot of things out there that care about having artifacts. And these are mostly invisible. They're not really too much of a burden to run. And especially with the new indestructible ones coming out of Modern Horizons 2, it doesn't feel so bad to run them in your mana base because there's, there's a lower likelihood that you're just going to get kind of collateral damage from somebody's Bane of Progress or Vandal Blast or what have you. Yeah, I mean, I, I had mixed feelings when the Indestructible Lands came out, the Indestructible Artifact Lands in Modern Horizons 2. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, it's just kind of like makes a boogeyman from the olden days better, like Child of Alara, five-color control, <laughs> like <laughs> is just really good. And running Armageddon's is really good. But at the same time, it's like, I think most playgroups have moved past the like really heinous kind of play patterns like that i know that's not necessarily true to shop there's always like especially if your shop is big enough someone who's just gonna armageddon or something and that's fine if it's used appropriately but yeah uh, i think i've come around on the artifact lands just because they are so easy to blow (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty okay with the indestructible artifact lands now after like seeing him play and and seeing what people have been doing with them yeah and i would hope that you know enough people are having rule zero conversations that you would at least divulge beforehand if you're running a deck whose sole purpose is to get an indestructible mana base and then cast an Armageddon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully everyone is aware that this is what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully there's no surprises there. And then a couple other additional uses I just want to make mention of for these artifact lands. They are also sack fodder for things like Duretti or Brea Ethereum Shaper. Um and another cool use of them is with Oz gear, it's actually a, a way to ramp. If you can get one of your artifact lands into your graveyard and activate Oz gear, you get two lands out of your graveyard and you're just that much further ahead. Um, so in my Oz gear list, I run pretty much every artifact land I possibly can because, uh, you know, ramp isn't super easy to come by in, in non-green color identities. And this is actually, this strategy has actually worked fairly well for me. All right, uh, we're going to revisit Bounce Lands for another uh, type of of deck that's really interested in them. And that's using Bounce Lands in Landfall decks. And also in things like Kodama and Sakashima or Derevi. So in all these type of decks, they either care about dropping a lot of lands frequently. And if you have like a lot of additional land drops off of like Exploration Effects or like Dryad of the Elysian Grove then you can just use a bounce land and bounce itself just to farm your your landfall triggers. Uh, and then, of course, there's combo potential. If you have like a Kodama Sakashima list, you have essentially two Kodamas out and you can just kind of like loop your bounce land between your two Kodamas, dropping it in off of one Kodama's ability, returning it to its owner's hand, dropping it in off the other Kodama's ability and getting infinite landfall triggers that way. So they're really crucial for that particular deck. 
And they're also just good in decks that can untap things repeatedly. So Mm -hmm. in a Derevi list, uh, bounce lands are actually really effective. Well, in a low-powered, like non-CEDH Derevi list, bounce lands are pretty effective because if you're getting a lot of Derevi triggers, if you're, say, attacking with a lot of creatures, then you're just able to generate a ton of mana off of your bounce lands, and then you can funnel that into like instant speed spells. Archelos, Lagoon Mystic. Part of his ability is that if he's untapped, then things that end the battlefield untapped get untapped and uh, tapped and are untapped instead. So your bounce lands actually tap for two the, the turn they come down, and that can actually be a big temporary boost in your mana production. I think you hit a lot of them too. And th- there's always been cool, tricky things to do with them. And I used to run them kind of compulsively just because it's kind of card advantage. It's like mana fixing. It was it was just good to have bounce lands. But then it became pretty common just for people to be like, oh, well, you know, I got a ghost quarter. You got a bounce land. Or just like, oh, I don't have a better target for my acidic slime. Yeah, just that, that was a pretty common line. So I started cutting them. But then we had <laughs> Zendikar Rising and its its bounty of modal double face cards that are lands on the backside. And I have been putting those back into pretty much every deck because I've been putting like some modal double face card in in every deck <laughs> that I've been running. It really doesn't matter like what color you're in like there is a there's at least one good one in each color yeah i mean even like there there are white decks that i've been running that are running like undo inversion which is the eight mana like planar cleansing and then it's a land on the back side or like a sajiri's shelter which is a protection spell or a land (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like those are pretty good and then the red ones you get like insane stuff like the uh valakut awakening which is also land if you need it and like Mm -hmm. so i've just been really happy to run just whatever modal double face card like increase my land count um increase my consistency of my deck and then if i happen to draw my bounce land oh cool my balagid recovery is back in my hand now it feels like you're cheating (laughs) in some (laughs) ways it's like feels pretty good i highly recommend it Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. These have been uh, really effective for me as well. All right, uh, moving on to the next category, Orin Reef, the Vastwood. So this is the land that enters the battlefield tapped, taps for a green, and then taps to put a green uh, plus one plus one counter on each green creature that entered the battlefield this turn. There is Forge of Heroes, which is a land that taps for a colorless and can tap to put a loyalty counter or a plus one plus one counter on target commander that entered the battlefield under your control this turn, Opal Palace, which is it is a land that taps for a colorless, and you can pay one and tap it to create a man of any color in your commander's color identity. And if you spend it on your commander, it enters the battlefield with an additional plus almost one counter for each time it's been cast from the command zone this game. And then Hall of Oracles. Uh, so Hall of Oracles is the land that taps for a colorless. You can pay one and tap to add one mana of any color. And you can tap, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, activate only as a sorcery, and only if you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn. Uh, so all of these are lands that are mostly low opportunity cost to run, and they can all add counters to uh, your your commander or to other creatures as well. And they're really useful in decks like Mowu, Halar, Skullbriar, Marchesa, 
pretty much any other commander that cares about having plus one plus one counters on themselves. They're all things that I've played over the years and I found them to be good in different ways. I think the ones that you mentioned are like the best ones. So like Mau, Halar, Skullbriar, Marchesa. Those are, I think, the strongest ones that stand out to me. But I've definitely seen in grindy decks like Opal Palace is basically the win condition with someone's like Rajmi Eternity's Crafter or something (laughs) like that. So I know that these can be pretty good and opal palace as for like a common has impressed me over the years too just because like you are paying one more than the cost of your commander but like this size benefit can be worth it sometimes i'm not saying you should do this all the time but at like if you are playing mau and you cast mau with an opal palace trigger on it like it just comes back ready to slam like out of the gates and that's it's pretty good Mm-hmm. all right uh what's the next category this is one that uh you had brought up when we were talking about this topic yes so these are lands that sacrifice themselves there are a lot of lands i guess technically like we aren't really talking about mana fixing but like the fetch lands go here but in particular there are lands that will be like tap sack do a thing and that could be like crystal vein which is tap sack add two colorless that could be like a ghost quarter that is uh, tap, sacrifice this, destroy target land. Its controller can search their library for a basic. They put on the battlefield, tapped, and then shuffle their library. Just regular strip mine, which is just tap, destroy land. <laughs> like mm-hmm. There's a ton of these lands that uh, tap to sack themselves for some effect. And they're pretty good in certain commanders in particular. Do you want to talk about the ones we we're, we we're kind of going over? Yeah, uh, so there's a couple that um, explicitly look for lands hitting your graveyard. Um, there's Titania, Protector of Argoth, who makes a 5-3 every time a land hits your graveyard from the battlefield. Uh, there's Gitrog, or rather, the Gitrog monster, mm-hmm. who will draw you a card whenever a land hits your graveyard from anywhere. Uh, and then there's Korvald, the Fae Cursed King, who will draw you a card every time you sacrifice a permanent. So all of these are... are great ways to get value off of these types of lands and and fortunately most of these lands are well for the most part they're things you kind of wanted to do anyway like fetch lands are definitely not gonna hurt your deck in commander um strip mine and wasteland are kind of necessary pieces of interaction for for some of the stronger non-basic lands and then there's but but to be fair i've also seen people going pretty deep in like titania list uh Mm -hmm. and running things like crystal vein or just other lands that will do anything to sacrifice themselves. Like <laughs> what's what's the name of like the uh, like the fallen empires land that taps for green or sacrifices to produce green green? There's just oh yeah, I know the the like Hick- Hickory Woodlot. No, that's the depletion counter one. Um, yeah, but there's there's just a lot out there that. Um, mm, most decks wouldn't really be would not be interested in, but you're you're desperate enough for these types of effects that you'd consider running them in these types of decks. Yeah, I've definitely seen like Grasping Dunes, which is one of the deserts from Amonkhet, which taps and sack tap pay one to put a minus one minus one counter on a creature. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen um, the like Horizon Lands uh, are in like uh, Lord Windgrace and stuff like that, yeah. like. I couldn't remember the cat's name, <laughs> but um, and and then I've seen things like Memorial to Unity and like Titania, 
uh, Mouth of Ronom, which I guess technically is also a snow land, but if you have snow, it you can tap and sack it to deal four to a creature. Um, mm-hmm. So like, th- there's a lot of lands that just eat themselves, and when your commander gives you something for eating a land, um, it might be worth it to go pretty deep on it. Absolutely. Uh, well, with that, I think we can move on to our next category, and we hinted at this earlier. Um, but these are man lands. So these are lands that uh, typically have an activated ability that will turn them into a creature. Uh, so for example, things like Mutavault or Mistress Factory are kind of the, the, the gold standard for these types of things. But uh, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the decks where man lands are most effective in uh, and why is that? So to me, I know there's going to be people listening to this and they're going to go like, I can just play man land anywhere. And that's true. But for me, like I always think Manlands, uh, I'm actually going to go into this one category, are, are really crucial to a specific type of like combo list, the combo being polymorph. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I think of like Manlands or, or like um, in the case of green sometimes too, if you are playing green, you could play like the, um, what's the one that gives you a plant colony garden? gives you a plant yeah. token mm-hmm. but for the most part man lands uh are the way to do that because when you're polymorphing you usually want to hit like one or two specific things and if your deck also has like oh no i hit my dreamscape architect then that's a pretty big hit to take when you're spending a lot of resources maybe tapping out to do what your deck wants to do like it, so making your deck able to consistently flip through into the big cool thing you're trying to cheat out is really important and and is kind of key to the strategy working unless you just have one of those decks where it's like a bunch of fun things and that's fine but even then it's like i don't want to flip into like a i don't know some utility creature like a land or else or something in, mm-hmm. in the middle of this so um Man lands are a really good way to have creatures in your deck, something that you can sacrifice and like get the ball rolling, but not gum up the uh, flipping action as you're looking through your list for the uh, polymorph targets. Yeah, definitely. Other type of deck that man lands are really effective in are vehicle heavy lists, or really like any type of list that just needs creatures on the battlefield and potentially especially ones that maybe survive board wipes or just kind of resilient in a way that lots of creatures are not. So for example, Tapala's uh, runs a ton of vehicles. She, she incentivizes having a lot of them in your deck and having a man, a, a mana base that can kind of like come out of nowhere and produce creatures that can then hop in your copter or your, your train or whatever uh, is going to just make it so that you're you're doing the thing more often and you're resilient to like mass removal or things like that yeah i love when they print new man lands like i've been so happy with the ones in forgotten realms adventures in the forgotten realms i really was hoping for non (laughs) urza's block uncommon man lands (laughs) that could go into mono mono color decks for a long time and uh, as we mentioned before like i've been running like faceless haven and frostwalk bastion because they can go into monocolor lists um all you got to do is play snow and uh, the fact that we have like a new cycle a new rare cycle so they're it's not even like 
you're struggling to play these lands they like mm-hmm. actively reward you for playing them is awesome and the fact that they work so well in like the list like you're talking about like Depala and they can help facilitate these combos or like if if you're a just need the last few points of damage in whatever deck you're doing like that's great i love that they are so versatile and uh on top of being versatile they can really push these archetypes into uh like a high functioning form a similar way that these are useful uh, i just want to point out some of the the other com decks where you can commonly find these man lands so zeta hedron grinder is another that wants to maximize your creatures on board at all times uh, and so having your a couple of your lands being able to stand up and then get another copy of expedite or whatever uh is is going to be really effective in your deck winota joiner of forces is another commander that uses man lands because it's it's so crucial to get as many winota triggers as possible and if you just happen to draw a hand that like isn't really helping out with that you're you're maybe not drawing as many non-humans as you need being able to activate your lands and have them trigger your winota is is going to be really effective for you mm-hmm. yeah the zeta one is really that is so cool <laughs> that deck is so good um so yeah definitely uh i mean you probably already know man lands are good but this is another reason why they're really good Mm-hmm. So I guess if I can get into the next category, this is a pretty niche one. This is lands that gain you life, sometimes called like gain lands, uh, but they're they don't always come in the same form. But basically, enter the battlefield, gain one or more life. Um, so these are cards like Radiant Fountain, which enters the battlefield and you gain two life. Kabira Crossroads, which enters the battlefield tapped, you gain two life, and it taps for a white. Seraph Sanctuary, which... So when Seraph Sanctuary enters the battlefield, you gain one life. But then whenever an angel enters the battlefield under your control, you also gain another life. So this one actually can pay out a little bit more over time. Especially since some of the life gain rewards are do in fact produce angels, like Resplendent... Mm-hmm. Ooh, Resplendent something. Um, <laughs> Resplendent or, Archangel, I think. Yeah, or like uh, Angelic Accord. And there's the new one from the... The new Valkyrie, yeah. The Valkyrie, yeah. Um, or the so, book. Oh, yeah, the book. We got the Book of Exalted Deeds. Mm-hmm. So definitely one of them to remember. It's it's pretty cheap to get, and it does work in certain lists. Hence why we're bringing it up. Um, the gain lands, which are just this cycle of cons block, like tap lands. They, they tap for one of two colors, and they enter tapped and when they enter you gain a life those are pretty ubiquitous now they print them in most sets it's kind of we've mentioned there are certain decks that really want these uh do you want to get into some of the commanders that are like super into (laughs) these lands sure uh there's a handful of commanders that trigger off of gaining life so for example karlov of the ghost council he gets two plus and plus one counters whenever you gain life uh, and then he can cash six of those into exile creatures veto Thorn of the Dusk Rose, I believe. He is essentially a sanguine bond on a commander. So whenever you gain life, each opponent loses that life. And these types of lands are especially effective there because the the combo with Vito is, of course, to get him and a exquisite blood out. And then you still need to have something that will either cause you to gain life or cause an opponent to lose life. Uh, and so just having a, sanctu- a Seraph Sanctuary in your mana base can be that that nail in the coffin that like starts the combo rolling and and kills all your opponents. Um, and then there's a couple other life gain decks like 
recently we got um the is it Lafiel? um yeah Lafiel, the bounteous dawn and commander legends mm-hmm. who will add plus plus one counters to your creatures uh at the beginning of your end step based on the amount of life you've gained that turn so that's uh, another commander that you know might be looking to get a little bit of additional life gain into its mana base mm-hmm. the reward especially for the tap lands of like gaining one life is really not that much um i mean i think these are fine budget options if you're really like can only play what you got you probably got these and they're totally fine they're like passable but if you're if if you <laughs> have access to other lands they're probably better like gaining the one life isn't that big of a deal in a 40 life format but it's usually pretty good sometimes like like we said so um if you are caring about life gain in any way, shape, or form, it's it's probably something that uh, you should be looking at and looking out for. And they're not really that much of a of a chore to run. So, um, yeah, just be on the lookout. Um, do you want to get into? We we only have a few more categories for everybody today, but do you want to get into the last ones? Yes. Uh, so this next one, I hope we don't need to spend too much time on it. These are. Uh... <laughs> Uh, cycling lands and they are particularly good in gavi nest warden and then also the partners that came in that same pre-con um Brallin and shabazz um which care about discarding cards or gaining or drawing cards respectively so cycling lands are great for triggering all of these commanders and uh that's you know they, they included a fair number of them in the pre-cons but just something to keep a lookout for if you're planning to build these lists or if you're just or if you just think cycling lands are really neat, this is a, a perfect home for them. Mm-hmm. Gavi is my like mid to high tier power level deck because it's incredibly fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I can get a bunch of cats, but if you have a wrath, I'm screwed. But if you don't stop me from making cats, I probably will win. <laughs> <laughs> but but the onus is on you to stop me from making cats. Because <laughs> all I'm doing is sitting here cycling these bad lands. So like come on. Come on. You gotta have something, right? Right? But they're they're also really good. Cycling is is just a good mechanic in general. It doesn't really cost you much to put a card recycling in your deck. But in particular Gabby, I, I would think is gonna run all of them because when you don't have a card to cycle um feels bad <laughs> yeah the deck just kind of sits there yeah it doesn't do a single thing you're just sitting there with your five mana commander that's like i guess i have some trinket text on me <laughs> <laughs> and it feels bad so definitely mm-hmm. something to look out for there not look out for definitely a very important part of that deck yeah what's our last category yes the last category is uh legendary lands and I'm actually going to add something. You, you've you mentioned uh, Captain Sisse, four mana commander and that has tap, search your library for a legendary card and put it into your hand. Um, I'm going to add in another one too, just from like my experience with it, is Niambi, the mm-hmm. esteemed speaker. Um, just because you want to have as many legendary things to pitch <laughs> as possible. So mm-hmm. like... A Boro is not really that much better than an island in most cases, but uh, it is when you can pitch it to draw two cards at instant speed. And there's a ton of them now is the other part about it. Yeah, absolutely. You've got that cycle from Kamigawa. Um, 
There's, of course, the cycle from the original Legends, even just running like Teleria, which uh, pretty much does nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a, a decent number of these legendary lands that just tap, you know, come in untapped, tap for a mana of their respective colors, uh, and then maybe have some ability that might come up at some point. But the point is they're just mostly better than a basic land, especially for the purposes of these decks that care about legendary permanence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the legendary lands from Kamigawa 2, like, they're expensive now, but they were pretty easy to get for a long time. And they just, they don't enter tapped. They add a mana. They have some, like, usually middling, like, middle-of-the-road ability. Shinka. Shinka. Is Shinka. There you go. So Shinka, Bloodsoak, Keep. Um, it taps for red, and it has red tap. Target legendary creature gains first strike until end of turn. It's like not a lot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not really like gonna push you over the edge a lot of the time. But the fact that it's legendary means that you can like do so much with it. And I know it's it's this is the red one, but this was part of the cycle that that uh, Nick talked about the Kamigawa ones. And and just over the years, as they want to balance lands, especially powerful lands, they'll make them legendary. So we've just gotten a lot of pretty good legendary lands that do good things that you want to uh put in your deck (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we've been uh lucky in that respect so i i think that's pretty much all the categories i want to talk today talk about today um before we go i want to ask you are there any categories of lands that don't really have a, a home in commander currently that you would like to see a commander uh, be printed for that kind of incentivizes running them? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, so I think when I like look at lands that they printed over the years, um, there's a lot like, I don't know if this is actually going to answer your question, but this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, one of the things Magic is really good at, and it's partly because um, fantasy landscapes are really cool, and partly because like the caliber of artist, and partly because the way the game works is that the characters literally draw their magic from like the force of the land that they're on, right? Like mana comes from the land, and the characters, even in the stories, utilize that mana to cast their spells and stuff like that. So mana, like the lands, have always been a focal point of the game. So there's a lot of lands that have really cool art that are just like, mm, like kind of <laughs> unplayable um, or just like not quite good enough. And I don't, I know I might get pushback for this, but like if there was a way to incentivize like tap land playing, like playing all these cards that like the art is just so cool. Like, I don't know if you've seen like bad river, which is like one of the, the, um, oh, is that the one with like the vulture? Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of the tapped fetch lands from uh, Mirage Block, mm-hmm. and uh, so which so it's it's a land it enters tapped, and you can sack it to search for an island or swamp and put it on the battlefield. So it's basically a fetch land, but on a delay. But like the art on all of those lands is so cool, but it's like really been a chore to run them over the years. Like even though I've I've tried to play them, I always end up cutting them because it feels pretty bad (laughs) Mm -hmm. you top deck it when you need a land and you just kind of groan but the art is really cool so that that's something that i've thought about like i wish 
other than just low powered metas or like budget decks i could find like i i would have a reason to play some of these cards i guess that's the biggest one for me personally just cuz i want to stare at all the cool art <laughs> <laughs> that that's a great answer for me i think uh well it would be there was so much like desert matters in um in Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation that I think it would be really neat to see some sort of Desert Matters commander. Mm-hmm. Um, or honestly, like, even if there were, like, a... Even if there were, like, a Maze's End equivalent for deserts, like, oh, some yeah. sort of, like, non-basic land that you could build your, your desert deck around, then you could just have that as an option for Golos. Like, Golos gets your your maze's end equivalent and then you just have a mana base full of these um full of these deserts so i think that's something that could like easily be turned into a new archetype in commander with just the printing of a single card and then kind of the the joke answer the one that's a little less likely to (laughs) to really work but lands that don't tap for mana i think there's (laughs) enough of these that you could fill out a mana base so if you were to like print some sort of commander that um maybe like granted a really powerful mana production ability to these lands that don't tap for mana there'd be a reason to run all of them in one deck yeah that's a pretty good answer actually though that that actually would be really cool and fun um part of me wants to say like layers or something like that too those aren't really a thing i don't think they're ever a thing but they were cards that I remember playing like fondly back in the start of the format and when I was a kid. Um, and layers are there's like Croesus's layer and like Rith's layer and stuff like that. And it's just like a subtype, but it like made my imagination go off when I was a kid, like to be like, oh, this is where like Croesus lives. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is cool. Like there, there's just so many ways they could like play with them that they haven't really flushed out and and every set we get another land that is rare that is colorless that does a thing and they're usually they're usually bad (laughs) (laughs) like like the one we just got that ventures into the dungeon if you pay four mana and tap a legend and it enters the battlefield tapped yeah and it enters the battlefield tapped it's like why you really didn't want this to be a powerhouse did you (laughs) but um but here we go so i think that is something cool and and those technically do have a home in like the colorless commanders that come out like most of those are good enough to run in your like uh i don't know your your karn silver golem deck or something like that you know mm-hmm. if you're not just running a bunch of waste so i think there's a lot of room for growth in the categories we hit on today and then moving forward i just really hope that they don't print more field of the deads and things like that where they're like incentivizing things the wrong way you know yeah where it's like this is not actually a hoop yeah this is i was going to do that anyway but thanks for the tip yeah exactly oh okay yeah i i guess i will just put this in my decks that play a lot of utility lands thank you yeah i guess oh actually i guess i do have one more answer um for the things is the storage counters there's been a decent amount of lands with storage counters, and I think there'd be a cool way to utilize that on a commander someday. Hmm. Perhaps one that proliferates, and you definitely wanted to have a broad color identity. 
<laughs> I guess I guess that's true. I, I was hoping for a more flavorful execution, but uh, I guess uh, all will be one. You know, yeah. so that's yep. the world we live in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we had to uh, talk about today. Thanks very much for listening. And very shortly, we're going to have an episode with Charlotte Sable going over the the next announcement day, which is coming up uh, in just a couple days as of the time we're recording this. So look mm-hmm. forward to that. And thanks very much for listening. But before we go, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Rick, Raphael, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Andy, Dylan, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Leo, John, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Ellie, Leon, Jason, and Kyle. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy. And you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.